Welcome to Preparing for Robots with your host, Dave Gerber. The future of technology and your place in the workplace are addressed here every week. Now, your host, Dave Gerber. Welcome, fellow humans. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of Preparing for Robots, and I'm so excited to kick off this episode of our international program here on Voice America's business channel. We have a great show lined up today and we have a very interesting guest. If this is your first time listening to the show, let me share some quick information. On Preparing for Robots, we have the opportunity to talk about the impact of all things digital on your personal, professional, business, and leadership future, everyone's future. And we will dive headfirst into this seemingly endless, all-encompassing, unknown digital revolution. I specialize in helping business leaders go after low-hanging fruit solutions to address costly pains associated with all types of organizational and personnel-related conflicts. Want to quantify how costly these conflicts are for your business? Go to conflictcalculator.com and you'll see the cost of human conflict. So I help businesses increase collaboration, save money, and generate revenue by harnessing conflict solutions. From consulting to coaching, training and facilitation, to multi-generational hybrid solutions. I provide business leaders and professionals answers to all types of people-related challenges. As we prepare for robots, humans are going to have to maximize their performance, increase their creative problem-solving skills, their conflict management abilities, and better adapt to the changing business landscape. We're talking about losing 50% of jobs in the next 10 years. What does this mean? My goal with this show is to help bring the discussion to life so that corporate boards and executives, leaders and professionals can better understand what is coming and what to consider. How do we help professionals become the best version of themselves to help our businesses prosper? We have to look at the digital world, simplify the conversation, and all be a part of the discussion. So I'm here to streamline complex digital subjects with the help of content experts. Let's hear what they want us to know in a way we can understand. We often don't pay attention because it becomes super technical and can even make our brain hurt, AI, AR, VR, all of it. And it's all crashing into us at the same time. How do we make sense of it? That's what this program is all about. We can help leaders from all different business industries consider the issues and then facilitate the discussion back within their organization. Let's get it started. The Power of Digital Dopamine is the title of our show today, and Karen Webster is our featured guest. She's the CEO, founder, and transformational empowerment coach offering her TAM system, or the Attractive Mindset. She's a radio co-host herself for a show entitled Love Actually, WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. She's the co-founder and president of Freya LLC and the CFO of Cocotique LLC. So clearly she has lots of free time on her hands, I can tell. In 2015, just a little bit about her, in 2015, after 25 years in the fashion jewelry industry, Karen made the decision to apply her personal experience knowledge and critical insights to her passion for helping people in career and decided to move towards a transformational empowerment coach. And she expanded her journey as an entrepreneur, developing the businesses that I've mentioned, focused on health and wellness and beauty and self-care. And there's really a lot more to her and you'll have to check her out after the show. Um, I've spoken to her often and she always has a fresh perspective on all the issues, including ours today. So how are you today, Karen? I am really good, Dave, and thank you for that very uh, generous introduction. 
Um, greatly appreciate it. Very happy to be here with you this evening talking about this topic. So, uh, and I'm a little exhausted just hearing everything that I do. So, <laughs> I, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to a little downtime this weekend. <laughs> All right. Well, you get downtime. I'll ask the questions. You just come up with the answers and we'll be, we'll be good. So, you know, we're, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a great show. We're here to simplify and talk about the impact of the digital revolution on humans like we are every week. And, you know, as a part of the larger discussion on this show with the first 12 episodes, I was kind of feeling like we needed to have one that was truly dedicated to the human uh, physiology, mind, body, spirit, and, and what's going on for us during this digital age. So, Karen, let's get started. When you think, when you hear the phrase digital dopamine, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Um, well, I completely understand it. You know, it is a human's natural tendency to seek pleasure, comfort, and safety. And dopamine definitely does that. You know, it gives us a sense of pleasure. And as long we are always going to be attracted to those things that bring us pleasure. So, you know, in the digital sense, it's how we're spending so much of our time. So it makes complete sense that this is where people are going to get it. And, um, you know, there are lots of implications and we can dive real deep on this um, about what that truly means. But, you know, the digital dopamine is, you know, like just getting your feel good from your phone. Or from your device. I, I'm s- a, lot of people, a lot of people don't know this, but the people who put together the colors and the bells and the whistles and all the things that are att- attractive about our cell phones were actually the creators of slot machines and, um, and, and took Vegas by storm. They figured out what people wanted, what they saw, what they liked, and they decided to change industries when the cell phone industry came out, and that's who was hired. So uh, as I like to tell people, if you want to find out how addicted you are to your telephone, put the settings on black and white and see how much fun you have with that phone. A lot of people don't even know that that, ha- that phone even has that setting, right? So yeah, so when we talk about digital dopamine, clearly the phone is like in our hands. Um, it's something that we're doing all the time. The, anybody who's got teenagers is fighting right now to get them off their phones uh, while we're modeling ourselves sometimes being on them for too long. But we're really talking about, in the, in the larger sense of this, and, and why I'm so excited to have you on the show, is really to start to talk about what's the impact of this on us from a human perspective. We kind of blow by this, but there's some stuff here. So first of all, when it comes to how much humans are focused on the digital world, what are your thoughts on the downsides of this trend? Hmm. Well, first of all, I had no idea... It was developed and uh, the makers or the inventors of slot machines had anything to do with this. Is that what you had mentioned? Yeah, makes a lot so, of sense, right? Makes, makes perfect sense. Um, it's about developing addictive um, behaviors through movements. Um, you know, we are easy to form habits. I mean, honestly... I read my books on my phone and um, that's because I can make the font, you know, get nice and big. So I don't have to, if I don't have my glasses, I can wear it. And on the occasion when I have, was reading a physical book and having trouble seeing maybe the light wasn't good or I couldn't see, I literally made the movement with my fingers on the physical book that I would do on the screen to make it bigger. Now, you think, 
okay, you're a grown woman, you're reasonably <laughs> intelligent, you understand that the book is in fact not an electronic device, <laughs> but yet we are so conditioned to do this. This is like automatic movement. Can't see, make movement. Can't see. So now we're, we're addicted and, and habituated into certain behaviors to get a response. I can't see. I move my fingers like this and all of a sudden it's bigger and I can see. And then I like did it and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I had that moment where it was like, whoa, it's like when the, when the power goes out and you don't realize how much you rely on electricity. And you're right. like, oh, okay, so I can't do that. I'll go do this. Oh, oh no, I can't do that either because I, oh, oh yeah, I, no, I can't really do anything but just sit down, you know, look out the window. <laughs> Which is pretty much where we've put ourselves now between email, phones, texts. Uh, you know, I joke around about people are like Pavlov's dog. They hear the ping go off and it's like, ooh, I got to see what happened. It's like the world is ending every single time. Mm-hmm. There's something that's coming across that's digital. Uh, I, I see this as a, a negative trend not getting better in the sense that they're only making stuff more cool. They're making it more fun. They're making it more attractive, uh, more distracting. Uh, And I think that in some ways, unless people are really conscious about, hey, I'm going to take a break. I I can tell you that I, one of the social media apps that I deal with, I erased off my phone and I feel so much better. I mean, I can't, I we, what we've done is we've killed the bored moment. We've killed the moment of reflection. Now we can just pick up the phone, check our email, check this, and we don't actually have to be in our own minds. Our bodies have become Uber vehicles, right, mm-hmm. to get us from meeting to meeting. Yeah. So, you know, why is it then if we know about this stuff and people, well, some people are paying attention, why do you think that most people are not paying attention? Well, uh, you you know, I made notes and uh, one of the things you touched on, which is exactly it, is whether you're awake or asleep, conscious or unconscious. And when you're conscious, you know that you're doing something and it's probably not the best thing for you to do. And then at some point you say, you know what? I'm just going to take them. I'm going to, I'm going to try. I'm going to turn something off like what you did. You know, you're like, I'm going to just turn this off and see what happens. Um, Sometimes we're so engrossed. We're so asleep, unconscious into our societal programming and what we do. We don't even think that there is an option. It's like, this is what people do right? Everybody does it. So I do it. It's like what I call lowest common denominator behavior. It's like, we don't even question it. We know it's not good, but everybody's doing it. Like, you know, eating McDonald's, sorry, McDonald's, or even maybe eating junk food, right? So we know we shouldn't do it, but everybody does it. And it can't be that bad for you because people sell it and people keep eating it, right? So why not? It's like the, I love it. It's like the normalization of deviance. Yes. Right. It's like, oh, we'll just lower the standards just a little bit every time people will see it as normal and it will become the new normal. And, I, you know, there's a lot of listeners. We have an international audience. So there's a lot of listeners that probably don't remember the space shuttle blowing up. But the space shuttle blowing up is actually a perfect example of the normalization of deviance because they kept telling them the O-rings weren't going to make it that they weren't going to make it. There are contractor letters to the organization and they've done their lessons learned and they've looked back and they figured this out. But the point is, is that it was like, oh, well, it's okay at 300 degrees, three, you know, 3,000. It's okay at the 4,000. Okay, well, 
oh, now it's not okay. But because we changed the bar, and I think in some ways this is uh, analogous to larger society and many of the issues we're dealing with and some of the, the chaos is that we're normalizing deviance so that we're making things that were before weren't acceptable now are acceptable. And if you even challenge them, that's a problem. What are your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> that's it right there. It's about acceptance. So it's about the need for acceptance and the fear of not being accepted, the fear of being rejected, the fear of having an idea or a thought that would not be accepted. So when you are unconscious, you are connected to your need for approval, your need for acceptance within your tribe or your community. And even though you might have, and most people do, an intuitive stirring that says, hey, this probably is not a good idea. I should probably pump the brake, you know, not do this. We override that. Our need for acceptance, our fear of being rejected overrides our intuition, that that voice inside that says, hey, maybe we should, you know, do something else. I'm sure somebody that read that report that said this might not work. And they were like, we've got so much into this. Maybe it's going to be okay. I don't want to be the one to blow the whistle. I don't want to be the one to say, because now everybody's going to look at me. So now this, this, you know, so now we get even deeper in the rabbit hole. So now this. No, and I think that's great. I think that's perfect because you can look at that on the basic level. Like I have a friend, we were at a bar. He started talking to a woman and she said, well, something about Facebook. And he said, I don't have Facebook. And she looked at him like he had 17 heads. Yeah. She looked at him like she went through it like, oh, I can't figure out who you are. I can't see, <laughs> you know, the background check. I don't can't see your house or your friends or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? You're like non-existent. Like, right, right. And, and so, and just like you see people taking a thousand photographs at one sitting because they all have to agree on which one is going to look good enough on everybody's accounts. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, you know, we're talking in some ways, I think we're building to the bigger piece here. We're talking about sort of social media, hands-on something that pretty much everybody has in their hands and their, uh, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, this, this is start, I see this starting to really impact. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. I see this really starting to impact human beings at a physiological level. Mm-hmm. And so I want to look at three P I want to break it down. Um, I want to, before we go to break, I want to just ask your question. What do you see as the impact on our body? Well, I, I think it just helps reinforce the disconnection that we are already having. Um, most of us are not connected. Our hearts and our heads are not in communication, um, which is the cause of dissonance in much of our, you know, Um, unhappiness and discontent. Um, And I think, you know, being involved with this digital uh, media just increases our isolation. Um, And with isolation comes, you know, that has, there's a physiological response to isolation. Um, You know, human contact, community, talking to people, um, in person, you know, like exchanging energy in person through conversation, facial expression, body language, all of that is part of the human experience. And I think the deeper we go and the harder we're connected, the more isolated we become ultimately. And, you know, we become sort of desensitized to what it is like to actually interact with another human being. And so physiologically, I think it, it begins, you know, there 
there's a, a whole field called epigenetics where it basically talks about how your behavior can change your DNA, you know, which definitely has a physiological response. And so if you are on your social media and you are getting negative responses, people aren't liking your posts, people are, you know, reacting angrily or negatively to something that you've posted, you're going to now have an emotional reaction, which is going to cause a neurotransmitter that is not friendly like adrenaline or cortisol, to now be released into your system. And this is going to tell your body how to feel. So that's when we start having stomach aches, headaches, palm sweating, heart accelerated rate. So there is a physiological impact because it's connected to our emotions. And people wouldn't think that your cell phone could actually be connected to your inability to lose weight. But cortisol is what keeps the stomach fat on. Absolutely. So, you know, and then we t- another thing that came to my mind was um, the number of people who are going to have spinal issues because they're always looking down. We laugh oh. at that, but that's a real issue. No, it's just a real like, issue. Just like kids with backpacks that are too heavy. It's uh-huh. messing their backs up. You know, and, and the other thing that came to me about this to sort of close this this first segment up is that you will. I'm going to give. I'm going to give our listeners one of the best things that they will ever get in their life that they can do with so much ease that will change their life that their cell phone can never do for them. The power, the research proven power behind a 20 second hug releases the same uh, endorphins and as Oxycontin in the brain. Now my daughter and I, we have a tradition. We hug for 20 seconds on the stairs before school and all this. I can tell you, you will never feel more human and more love than a 20-second hug. Most people want a nuked hug. They want to put it in the microwave. They want a, I'm not gay, I'll pat you on the back while I'm <laughs> hugging you kind of hug. Those hugs don't do anything for you, and you're not going to get that kind of love from your cell phone, that's for sure. Hey, this is awesome. Um, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about mind and spirit and a whole bunch of other things. So it's time to hear some important messages from our sponsors. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the conflict calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and PreparingForRobots.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at synergydt.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you are listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm here with a great guest, Karen Webster. We were just talking about the impact of digital and phones and all this stuff on the body. And I want to just get back to her because I think she has some other points about the physiological impact. So what, what are your thoughts, Karen? <laughs> yeah, Dave. Well, uh, thanks for opening that back up because, you know, on the break, I was thinking about a couple of things. One, you mentioned about that whole neck thing and quick story. You know, I've been in and out of chiropractors. I've worked with them on and off for years. And I was working with this guy about a year ago and he was telling me that the number one thing he was seeing was young people people coming in with this whole curvature and they're getting this whole lump on the back of their spine from this constant looking down, looking down, looking down. And so young people under the age of 30 are his fastest growing client patient segment. So that that's pretty significant when you think about, you know, all of the people out there and, you know, I'm in my fifties. I, I, definitely have, you know, issues and things, but these are young people who are now in chiropractors offices in mass dealing with this. So that's one thing. The other really important thing that is really pops out for me is the impact of EMF, electromagnetic frequency that comes from these devices. And, you know, a lot of people don't know um, that, you know, putting in your back pocket, not a good idea. Um, You know, Putting laptops on your lap, not a good idea, particularly if you're a young person and you want to have children one day, this can impact your fertility. So, you know, there are some things that you can do. There are certain devices that you can uh, purchase, you know, that mitigate the impact and uh, negative effects of EMF, but it's something you should be aware of. And at night, every night, I turn off all Wi-Fi in my room. So everything goes into airplane mode or off. And while I'm sleeping, that is not something within my space. Yeah, I think people really don't realize. I think people don't realize how saturated we are with these Wi-Fi, and people want to talk about 5G and how fast. Go look and see what the impact of 5G hitting you, hitting human beings all the time from every direction is. It's, it's not really good. And then, and right, and they don't have good sleep, and no. you know. Yeah. And so this and some people are more sensitive too, right? Like some people, like if you have your feet by the computer, like the electricity, you can kind of feel that like everybody's yeah. different, but the thing is, but it's invisible, Karen, we can't <laughs> see it. So it can't possibly, yeah. So is cancer, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you have it, Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like, Hey, we got to pay attention to this stuff. And, and as we know, right, I talk about the four horse chariot, right? We've got the physical, emotional, social, cognitive. And if you have four horses and they're all pulling in the same direction, you're golden. But as soon as this physiological chair, uh, horse starts to go off, you got to imagine not only are you starting to go in circles in your chariot, you got to imagine the mind and the spirit, all right, are going to be impacted. So talk a little bit with us about what happens now beyond the physical. Where are we at mentally? Wow. Well, you know, this really gets into how far into the matrix we are uh, plugged into societal programming. And, you know, it's like being on social media is uh, and, and other um, things that have this interac- interactive uh, element. It's like being hardwired into something. And if you do not have a strong sense of self, 
and you are operating in this medium, you are subject, you are vulnerable to victimization. Um, So the first time somebody says they don't like what you wrote, you're going to now, you know, some people might have a meltdown. Some people might, you know, depending on where they are in their emotional and psychological health could, you know, really uh, disintegrate or implode. Um, so it's, it's really critical um, that people understand and, and, be, and try to shore up their mental health and their, their, their self-esteem and all of that before moving into it. Understand that, you know, if somebody didn't like your post, that's not about you. That's about the other person. That's about what the other person's expressing their views just as you've expressed your views. And, you know, when we can get to the point where we can agree to disagree and still respect each other, I think we can be in a healthier place. But so many people because of a variety of reasons from traumatic childhoods to, um, you know, severe, um, you know, sexual abuse or some kind of accident or you name it. Trauma is probably one of the most, is the most common human condition, right? And we all have it in some way, shape, or form. So this is sort of tapping into whatever your experience has been. And if you're out there and somebody says something to you and you're not like strong, you kind of lose your stuff. You know, when somebody says something and you're like, wait, wait a minute. And you, you know, you got to go in and fight. Now you're investing so much energy into this medium. And if it's in a negative way, you know, we talked about neurotransmitters and cortisol and adrenaline. And so, you know, you engage in one of these and now you got a raging river. And so now you've got all this stuff going on and, and this is making you feel very uncomfortable. So this is going to impact your relationship, not only how you sleep, but your relationship with other people. Cause this is going to put you in a pretty bad mood, right? Yeah. So how you deal with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, you know, you, you got, you really kind of got to be tightened up to. And you, sorry. And, and, and I would say to that, you know, when it comes to solutions, when we start to talking about like, what do people do? Uh, oftentimes it's too hard and too deep, too difficult. It's a lot easier to pick up the phone than it is to do what I'm going to offer right now, which is a thousand times more creative, a thousand times more colorful, and a thousand times more exciting than any cell phone any will ever show me. And that's the ability to meditate and the ability to create anything I want in my own mind at any time. It is a movie. It is a television. It is all those things. I want to demystify, and I know you, you can appreciate this, demystify how much pressure people are putting on themselves to supposedly have to meditate. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, you mm-hmm. can heal yourself in two, three minutes. Uh, you know, and if you're somebody who's heavily invested, let's say you're one of our listeners who's in the tech industry, you definitely need to unplug. If you're somebody who's just using the social media and the phone and stuff, you need to unplug because we're around it all the time. Mm-hmm. So when you unplug, right, and we talk a lot of times about time management, but really we also need to be talking about energy management. So when we talk about energy management, if we are going to go and meditate when we're done our 90-minute peak performance or we're going to go and grab our phone and play a video game, because remember, right, uh, everybody is drawn to their phone and the colors and noises for a different reason. doesn't matter. The bottom line is they all sort of funnel back to the same place, which is not good for body, mind, and soul, spirit at least, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about meditation, 
And so you you said people were putting so much pressure on themselves, right, about how to meditate. And I can appreciate it. I was one of those people that had the most tortured relationship with meditation for over a decade. And it would be the kind of thing that I knew I needed to do. And then I would sit and I would, quote, try to do it. That's the problem right there. You're trying to do it and not understanding the, the mechanics of how this really works. And, you know, it is the mind's natural tendency to think and to have thoughts. It's what it does. It's like asking a dog not to bark, right? It's what it does. So it's not about trying to stop your thoughts because the more you try to stop your thought, the more thoughts you're going to have about trying to stop your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So the real thing is give your mind something to work on that is calming. And that's why a lot of people do mantras. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why OM is, you know, uh, something, breath is something because it gives your mind something to focus on that's not all the other stuff that helps bring it into focus. And, you know, if we can understand meditation as not the stopping of thinking, but the thinking now of something else and the focus and concentration on something else, it changes the game completely. It's like a child having toys. It's like, why play with the dangerous toy with the sharp edges? Just take that toy away and give the kid a new toy. It's going to play with it anyway. It's just that this one is safe and good for you as opposed to the other one that could hurt you. Yeah. And, and, you know, with meditation, I think, um, first of all, one of the things that you said is it's, it's, we, we are going to think about stuff. And if people go into it saying, well, I'm going to, I'm not going to, my mind's going to be distracted. It is. And so it's okay. Just Mm -hmm. accept that and like, let it go through. Hey, I got a dentist appointment tomorrow. Okay. Let it go through. Right. I want to just real quickly give our audience like, the fastest way to learn how to meditate. I want you to go pick calming music. You can find it on the internet anywhere. Type in three hour Reiki on YouTube. Brilliant. First thing, find the music. Second thing, find a quiet place. And the last thing, think about a place in your life you've been in nature that made you feel good. And if you start there, start with the Kaizen way, two minutes, you're going to find yourself not even realizing that five, 10 minutes has gone by, you're going to say, wow, I can do this. And one of the first times I was really challenged when I went through my Reiki program, Reiki instruction, was I had to do a 45-minute meditation. It was the first time I had meditated probably in two, three years. And I'm thinking, 45 minutes? Are people out of their mind? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be done in about 4.5 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, listen, I w- that was probably one of the most remarkable experiences I've ever been in. And, um, and now I'm meditating, uh, when I wake up and before I go to bed and everybody says, well, you might fall asleep. Fantastic. It's great. Meditate before you go to bed. You did 10 minutes of meditation. You fell asleep. You'll probably sleep better. So this stuff is really important. And I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to talk about it because it is really the human side. You're going to have people, I think, who are younger, who are going to be more apt to want to try meditation. Um, and some older people are going to feel a little bit stuck because they haven't done it. There's, it's like exercise. You can pick it up whenever you want. You don't have to do a lot. You're going to be making progress and moving forward, and you're going to be helping yourself and giving yourself a break. And after I did all that meditation for a while, it was very easy for me to reduce some of the apps on my phone. And I found that when I would go to those apps normally, I would say, hey, just take two minutes, meditate, close your eyes, boom, recharge. What do you think? 
You know, I, I think it's, it's very powerful advice because what I find is after I've had this time of introspection and connection within myself, I actually start to lose interest in some of the things that I might have been, quote, addicted to, all of a sudden mm. hold very little interest to me. And in terms of, you know, how to get into meditation and one of the quickest ways and a lot of things that I do with my client, I always start them with um, breath because, mm-hmm. you know, it's free and on demand and, you know, taking conscious control of a subconscious function is very powerful. Um, number one. Number two is using the senses. Um, I use essential oils um, to inhale because our senses are our tools for navigating this human experience. And you pointed out, get calming music. So that's utilizing your hearing sense. And that is bringing that in. Visualize using our minds, right? So let's increase that now. Let's smell something that is good. You know, let's, let's have colors um, that surround us that are high vibrational. There are ways to create a high vibrational experience that will support and facilitate your meditative experience. That's a really good point because one of the things that I know you talk about and I talk about is that society is really offering a lot of very low vibration, low level chatter, um, noise, Uh, Mm -hmm. energies to draw us in negative. And when we talk about meditation, we're talking about high vibration. We're talking about getting connected with the higher self. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're talking about being centered and you can push all this junk away. Uh, Particularly in America right now, we're dealing, as you all know, with politics and there's people are all over the place in this and it's showing up in the workplace and it's showing up in families and it's showing up all over. And, and I can tell you, that the meditation practice for me, I'm not like this guru. I, I mean, for those of you who, don't, who haven't met me before, I haven't been meditating for 30 years. I mean, I discovered this three, four years ago, and it's changed my life. And I've done 25 years of conflict work and corporate work, and I've done work with programming for NASA and all kinds of stuff. I've, I'm a black belt, certified black belt in um, Krav Maga. But what I keep being led back to is the soft stuff, the invisible stuff the hokey stuff that people want to call it. It's, but it's the highest vibration. It's the stuff I have the most control over. It's the most creative. It's the most fun. It's the most rewarding. And it's the stuff that leaves me feeling really strong after this. So I'm, I've got one more minute. I'm going to give it to you before we go to break. What's on your mind from anything you've heard, Karen? Yeah. So what was basically coming to me about the importance of meditation is that is fuel for the mind. This is how your mind will function better. Just like we eat so that our bodies can function better and we give it nutrients and we exercise it so it can move better. Meditation is fuel. It's the equivalent of food food and exercise, but this is for the mind. So, you know, when you meditate, your mind becomes more resilient, more focused, and you're able to be much more productive. And it is at a higher vibration. And essentially what that does is it lifts you to the point where you find yourself not even attracted to all the stuff that's happening at this low vibrational chatter level where everybody's like wanting to like kill each other. You're just kind of looking at it like, uh, you know, it's, you know, there's a better way and you don't get involved. Awesome. 
This is great stuff. Uh, this is a great segment. It's time to hear some important messages from our sponsors. Again, I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and PreparingForRobots.com. Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the conflict calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at synergydt.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Welcome back, fellow humans. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you are listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. We are here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, Karen Webster. And I know one of her specialty areas is in the relationship space. So from your experience, Karen, what are you seeing as the negatives of dating in the tech era? Where shall we begin? (laughs) So, um, First, let me say what's positive. Um, I think that there is um, a great potential to connect with many people you might never have come in contact with before. And so that opens the door for many great potentials. Aside from that, um, as we have you know, been talking about through the course of the show, the disconnection um, leads to a desensitivity, a desensitization, um, which really removes people's humanity. And so what happens is the types of interactions we're having are now lacking in any substance and and people are less and less able to figure out how to meaningfully connect with each other. And there is what I call lowest common denominator behavior, which is, um, well, you know, most people don't write anything on their profile, so I'm not going to write anything on my profile. Or, you know, everybody's got like the bathroom selfie, so I'm going to do a bathroom selfie. Everybody's got like a shot with their booty out, so I'm going to do a shot with my booty stuck out. You know, it's like, even though it might not be who you are, what you would normally do, 
because you see everyone else doing it or you hear this, you think, I need to do this too. And so now you've got a lot of people out there inauthentically representing themselves. Um, some of it intentional. I got to tell you, my favorite is like um, the, the, when you flip through and you see women who are, my friend would call it peddling their wares. Yeah. So they've got that pose, but the first line is not interested in hookups. Don't want sex. Don't want this. It's just like, well, wait a second. There's a disconnect. Exactly. And I think that's another thing that's happening is people are having a disconnect. Like, what are you saying versus what are you, your body language versus what Well, that's the whole thing. It's like they're disconnected with themselves. So right there, what they're saying and what they're showing, two different things. And it's not consistent. And to me, that's swipe left, you know, and, you know, in, in, from my side, what I see with the men, I see, unfortunately, a lot of, um, you know, I, I really feel for men right now because it's, it's, it's tough to figure out who am I and what do I mean in this day and age um, and what is the right way and the proper way and the acceptable way and the way that I'm not going to get shot down to come out into the world. But, you know, I see a lot of guys really just leaning on, um, you know, showing their muscles or the shirt off shot. And, you know, hey, look, for the people that are out there in the sex lane, go for it. You want to show your wares because this is really what it's all about for you, then that's great. But if we're looking for meaningful connection, and this is where I, I, I see the most frustration is, you know, figuring out who's who and what's what. It's easy to lie. And people are lying unconsciously just by not being their authentic selves and putting in, you know, a showing your wear shot, even though that would normally not be what they do. But their girlfriend said, girl, you got to do this. Or some guy says, oh, you got to show them your muscles, man, or else they're going to just swipe left. You know, so people are inauthentically out there showing who are presenting themselves. Then they're the ones that are outright lying, who are, you know, like, I don't know, psychopaths, whatever, who is just like, and you know, the catfishers. And I've learned, like, I, I'm pretty spot on. Like, I think I have 95% hit rate. Like I can spot a catfisher like a mile away. And, and then there are the predators and, you know, those are not like in the huge percentage, but it's important to understand that there are people intentionally out there misrepresenting themselves. These are not in the majority. These are not I don't feel that, you know, 25% of the people out there are just out there to do people dirty. No, but it is important to understand the landscape and know that there are people that do this. And it's enough people to really make the game, make the quote unquote game even worse. Even right? worse. Because now, like as a good guy, it doesn't matter. You're already going to be seen as probably maybe not a good guy because of what's out there. How do I know? Uh, I'm not sure I might, can I read what's on this tag? I mean, it's gotten a little bit ridiculous. You know, one of the things that we used to have is we used to have relationships develop organically. Mm. Um, and now, uh, it's really like, is this my partner for life? And if, if I don't know right away, well, I'm moving on. Yeah. Uh, Or because we live in such a disposable society, right? We'll just get another one. Um, right. no, ref, no reflection required. Mm-hmm. I don't have to grow or change. I'll just go find somebody else who'll put up with right. my kid. And I think that that's, this is where it sort of comes back down to individuals. Like 
you know, having their Michael Jackson moment, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, okay, what do I need to do for me? And I think that's important right now. It's not selfish. You and I both know it's not selfish. No, it's It's, self-full. It's exactly. And I think it's even more important now in the digital transformation Mm -hmm. in this age where things are moving so fast. And, you know, as soon as you think you know what people want, they change it. And as soon as you provide something authentic, you get four hits, but somebody puts up a picture of a baby pig in a blanket and it gets four million. And you're trying to figure out, hey, how do I find my place in the world and do things that are real? Mm-hmm. And I'm, as you said before, I'm going to have all these people on the sidelines who may be commenting or putting down this crab in the bucket theory, right? right. You're on your way out. Someone's going to grab you and pull you back in. Right. And, and you kind of got to get to the place where it's like, who cares? Like when you get to the place where you know who you are and you know your worth and your value and why you're here and what you're doing, then it really doesn't matter what the naysayers say. You know, there's a great, um, Brene Brown wrote this great book, uh, Daring Greatly. I use great a lot. Um, And it really says, you know, um, the only person whose opinion should matter are those that are in the fight, in the good fight with you, who are in the arena getting bloodied and knocked down. Those opinions matter. The people that are sitting on the sidelines, you know, griping and grumbling and not getting dirty and just sitting back and critiquing, like, who cares? Like if they really mattered and they wanted to do something, they'd be in there doing something. And in right now, we live in a society of information and no knowledge. So people have to really start to ask themselves if the people that they've brought into the inner circle really belong there. Right. Um, do these people actually get a seat at the round table with me because they truly care what I'm doing and where I'm moving and how I'm trying to go forward? It's, and it seems right now, everybody is trying to um, struggle and find their way and move forward with this stuff because of all of the social messages which are hitting at us all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you and this, yeah, and this this idea of reductionism, you know, like we're out there, like we're trying to find our soulmate. It's like, how about we say, let me find another human being that's actually someone I like and I've taken some time to get to know them and now I feel after getting to know them that, hey, I'm, I think I'm attracted to this person on multiple levels and not putting the cart before the horse and saying, oh, I think this person's really attractive. And then we try to move all the pieces around inside to make it work. And it never happens. Right. As opposed to saying, hey, I really like this human being. Start with the foundation. I like you as a person. When we understand what marriage is about, what relationship is about, what connection is about, you know, all those other superficial things do in fact fall away. Believe it or not, folks. And if you don't want to believe it, that's fine, but it will come and prove itself to you at some it's, yeah, it's, you, it's, you and I, you and I definitely need to probably have our own show on relationships. So we'll, we'll get back to that and <laughs> talk about that because this is, this stuff is deep. It's real. Um, it, it's impacting everybody. I mean, I bet you a bunch of listeners who may have not identified with every topic we did on every show probably are identifying with this subject because <laughs> it's real. It's in your face. Yeah. Uh, it's all the time. Even if you're not single, you're hearing about people who are engaging in these behaviors. Yeah. And, and a lot of folks are out there looking for validation. And I see this a lot. And, you know, the one, the one piece of advice I'm going to tell people who are online, online doing online dating and, you know, for my research, um, and for personal reasons, because I also am on online dating, I'm on about 10 sites. And so I understand the dynamics of the swipe life. I understand the dynamics of what's happening on the, you know, 
the, the website and, and looking at all these profiles. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta understand what it is that you're really looking for and, yeah, and I, what it is you really want. And I, I hope, and I want to invite people to think about this thought is stop wishing your life away. You know, I have this expression that sometimes your knight in shining armor might be a knucklehead in tinfoil. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so if you're going to waste your life, for that final thing, you're going to miss out on a lot of great dinners. You're going to miss out on a lot of great conversations. You're going to miss out on great lots of things. Yeah. Um, because you're holding out for something, for this perfection, whatever it is. And everybody has their standard. Oh, this, I mean, this, my boyfriend won't look good enough on Facebook. Whether it's that or whether it's real or whatever it is, we have to stop wishing our life away. Um, and, and especially the people that are single and who are turning down opportunities to have organic experiences with fun people who are interesting. Because you know what, frankly, we've gotten lazy. Oh, my goodness. And that's the other side of what this digital thing is. Now, on the plus side, I can swipe, you know, right a thousand times and save myself a ton of money if they don't all say yes, right? So I don't have to go through a thousand people to find the right one. At the same time, whatever just happened to like basics of like joy or happiness or a smile or some of these things that we're not getting from digital and now we're not getting them from each other because we've taken away the organic experience. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, definitely. I think people are wasting time. I think that um, we are high hearting and smiley facing our way into oblivion. You know, it's if you see someone that you think um, is of someone of interest, say something besides hi, you know, because honestly, you say hi, and I'm tempted to just write bye back. Because I think, I think this is interesting, because it's a real challenge, because I think that because people are so different, and, and as somebody who did spend, and I don't anymore, but did spend time dealing with the social mm-hmm. media dating stuff, for one person, you say hi, the next person wants hey, the next person wants hello, and it's the same thing with respect to the, the line. Like, for instance, I'll give you one. I, I remember when I said something, I, I wanted to show somebody that I had read her profile. So I made a comment about something in her profile. And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm thinking, you didn't even read your own pro- profile. But, but see, that's an indication. Right there, that means so, bye-bye. So, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, bye-bye. Yeah, absolutely. But, and, and that's my point is, I think that we have to figure out, I don't have the answer. I do, I do. I'm going to share it maybe sometime. No, I'm kidding. We are all looking for answers here on these issues. Um, they're challenging. Everybody is different. And that's and sort of to this point you made earlier about how, oh, everyone's kind of doing it, so I'll do it. Well, that's, we're losing our individuality. And folks, we're becoming like robots. <laughs> okay? nice. and, and there's yeah. some irony there with the fact that what are we trying to do? We're trying to create the perfect human. So we're making a robot, but mm-hmm. we're forgetting that the, the robot can't feel and the robot will never have a heart. And, and, and right. And right. Exactly. And the note I made was we've lost the ability to express ourselves authentically. Like, what are we really thinking? You know, the high, the hey, it's like, hey, if you really like somebody and you just, it doesn't have to be a dissertation. It's just like, hey, hope your week is going well. Found your profile interesting. You know, whatever, something other than high. High just seems like the guy at the bar who's like, hi, hi, you get shot down 15 times. High is like spammed. And so 
you know, if the woman's responding to just high or a heart or whatever, then that also speaks to the level of where she's at. And I'll be honest with you, all that just goes in the delete bin for me. I only respond to people who have actually taken the time to read my profile, put two sentences together, express themselves. Now I know I'm dealing with a human being. Otherwise, I feel like I'm dealing with spam bot. It's saying hi, 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 and heart, heart, heart. And that's the other thing is it makes it a lot easier to be less personable when you're just swiping and when you're moving through, it's disposable. If we think back to the, the onset of the remote control, I mean, we wonder why teachers have trouble teaching their kids because every single kid is used to having a remote control and can change the channel or go to a different app when they're bored. And so we wonder why they can't take notes and we wonder why they're not successful. And then we, I mean, this is a progression. These are pathologies um, that are happening. So, this has been an awesome show. Um, I want to just real quickly ask you um, one thing that you love about technology real quickly. Um, expediency. One thing you dislike about technology. Disconnection. If people want to find out more about you, how do they find out more about Karen Webster in the future? The attractivemindsetcoach.com. They can also find me on Facebook, Karen Webster. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Awesome. We are all out of time this week, unfortunately, because this has been awesome. Hopefully, we've energized you on a Monday and for the rest of the week as well. This has been another great episode of Preparing for Robots. Check this out. Dealing with human workplace conflict, communication, emotional intelligence, leadership issues, the ability to do these well is the future for humans, businesses, and organizational employees. If you want to talk more about that or the impact of things digital on humans, email me at questions at synergydt.com. Tune in next week where I'm going to take the mic myself and I'm going to summarize 13 weeks of what we've learned here. And uh, I just want to say I'm wishing every human on the planet a great day today and a jump start to the rest of your week. You've been listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm your host, Dave Gerber. I love you and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Preparing for Robots. Join Dave Gerber next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy the week.